This is Asked and Answered. Questions. With Tom Opferman and Steelers Digest editor Bob Labriola. I'm sure all of Steelers Nation was rejoicing in the Bengals losing their third Super Bowl in franchise history. Was that extra sweet for you too, Labs, on Sunday? Um, you know, I uh, I kind of was... I was kind of hoping that the Bengals were going to win, and here's my wow. theory on that. Well, let me explain. Um, from Despite having uh, a friend who works there, someone I've known for a okay, long time. Okay, nice. But I'll give, it, I'll give you the, the Steelers version of why I was uh, rooting for the Bengals. Um, okay, the Bengals, the history of their franchise, the struggles that they've had, and now they win a championship. How long do you think that celebration goes? Oh, at least five years, right? At <laughs> least five years, half a decade. So that's what I was thinking. You know, Super Bowl hangover. They're definitely uh, useless in the 2022 season. They have um, the last pick in every round. And again, as you said, I just figured, you know, the, the, they might be having parades until June. <laughs> um and I don't know that I blame them, seriously. So that's kind of the way I was looking at it, thinking, um, you know, you have only a four, well, three teams you're competing against in your own division. Right. The Bengals win, that removes them. For Because I don't think, at least the season. Right, exactly. For the minimum of 2022, at least. Yeah, yeah. And then, so, you know, it cuts a little down a little bit on the um, the competition. So... But anyway, uh, plus, I uh, except for Aaron Donald, there isn't any anything about the Rams that I can find worth rooting for. That's so. a fair point too. Very logically sound point from you for how to root for the Bengals Labs. Pretty impressive. Let's apply some of that logic to these questions, huh? No, no, the logic logic goes out the window right. as no. soon as you you play that music. Our first question today comes from Ian Hamilton by this. <laughs> from Elyria, Ohio. Do the Steelers have something against Heinz Ward? I feel like he is definitely worthy of being the team's wide receivers coach since he, was, since he has coaching experience and was one of the best receivers the team ever had. I wish they wouldn't have passed up on him as a receiver coach again. Okay. Um, I, I, I just I don't want to be disrespectful, uh, but Based on what is Heinz Ward, quote, definitely worthy of being the team's wide receivers coach? <laughs> um, and again, I, I don't I, I, I think Heinz Ward uh, definitely is one of the best receivers in franchise history uh, player. In my opinion, he's worthy of being elected the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, but that's not a qualification for being a uh, position coach in the NFL. Um, Ian mentions. Heinz Ward's coaching experience. Okay, I used to use your phrase. I used the Google machine, <laughs> and um, his experience uh, boils down to this: He spent 2019 and 2020 as an offensive assistant with the New York Jets, and then he spent the 2021 season as a position coach with Florida Atlantic University. Okay, so just to kind of explain what these titles meant in terms of um, job requirements. Offensive assistant is on a rung below a position coach in the NFL. You know, a lot of it can boil down to like clerical work, um, 
breaking down video, um, you know, sorting the plays, because at some point one of the coaches might say, uh, okay, I want a reel of all of the third and five or more uh, plays inside the opponent's 50-yard line to see what kind of defense, you know, the upcoming opponent plays. Mm -hmm. And that's what the uh, assistant, that's one of the jobs of an assistant. So, um, you know, again, it's not like uh, an offensive assistant is working closely, you know, with players on a day-to-day basis. Uh, And then the, you know, hit the college job, um, Florida Atlantic, I mean, that's not an SEC school, I can tell you that. I don't know what conference they're in. And again, no disrespect meant, but, you know, it's clearly um, on the lower level uh, of, you know, the college football spectrum. So, you know, Heinz Ward, if he's serious about this, and, you know, we'll find this out, everybody has to start somewhere, and I won't even try and um, explain to you where, what my first job was in this business. <laughs> so, um, you know, I have no no problem with, you know, starting at uh, low A minors, as they would say in baseball, uh, and working your way up. But to say that he, Heinz Ward, is definitely worthy, you know, of being the, the team's wide receivers coach, I think is a stretch. And one of the problems with Steelers fans is they want – you know, uh, as, as someone said to me once about people in Pittsburgh, they don't know what they like. They like what they know. <laughs> and so I think that sometimes Steelers fans have fallen to the same uh, trap. Um, they, you know, Heinz Ward is a familiar name. They like the way he played. Bingo. He must be a great, great coach. coach yep. But that's not necessarily the case. Well, one thing that I think is a myth amongst all of sports, and Ian, not to pick on you, but I'm going to pick on you here in a second, saying he was one of the best receivers the team ever had. Being a great player does not automatically translate you to become a great coach. And I feel like a lot of fans think that, oh, Peyton Manning, great quarterback. He'd be a hell of a head coach one day. Oh, Heinz Ward, one of the best receivers in team history. He'd be killing it at receivers coach. Doesn't always translate. It's a different different skill set. Right. And a lot of times it's the opposite. Right. Because, um, you know, I always thought that about Joe Green as an assistant coach. You know, I think there were a lot of times when Joe Green would like look at uh, some slappy defensive lineman that the Steelers gave him to work with at training camp or something. And he would just look at this guy and think, why can't he do this? (laughs) You know, because I'm not Joe Green, Joe. Right. (laughs) You know, I'm 47 years old, and I can do that still. So a lot of times, you know, great players um, don't understand, you know, the process that uh, young, not as great players need to go through in order to, you know, learn their craft. And so a lot of times I believe that it's the, you know, uh, guys who struggled as players who really Mm -hmm. had to work hard you know, not that Joe Green didn't work hard or Heinz Ward didn't work hard, but what they worked hard at were not the very basic, you know, how to get in your stance kind right. of stuff <laughs> that you'd sometimes have to deal with as a coach. And so, um, yeah, being a great player is definitely not a, a necessarily a, um, you know, not make you an automatic path to being a good coach. Craig Dumnich from Avondale, PA. With Terrell Austin having been hired as the Steelers' new defensive coordinator, there have been many comments regarding Coach Mike Tomlin pulling the strings for the play calling. 
This was something I was unaware of. So who then is to blame for poor defensive play, such as stopping the run, which was dismal? Got to assign blame, Labs. Whose fault was it? I want names now. You. What? It's your, your, it's your fault. Uh, you know, again, this, this um, train of thought by Craig seems to indicate to me that he, he would agree with this. If the play call was a good one, then Craig and 10 of his fraternity buddies could be a good defense <laughs> because it's all about the call. Uh, so, and that's really not what the, that's not what it's all about. I mean, it's more about execution on the field, players winning one-on-one matchups, making tackles instead of missing tackles, you know, and that kind of stuff. But let's just take Craig's assumption here and let's carry it out to the absurd a little bit, because I mean, that's what I do. Um, <laughs> Dick LeBeau, let's Dick LeBeau, one of the most beloved, maybe the most beloved coordinator in Steelers history. Um, it's his fault that Ben Roethlisberger had to lead that comeback in the last two minutes of Super Bowl Forty Three uh, to beat the Cardinals in in that in that Super Bowl because his awful call on defense led to Larry Fitzgerald's sixty four yard touchdown through the middle of the defense. Yes, uh, and then <laughs> well, wait, no, wait, let's not forget this one, uh, a game that. Um, Mike Tomlin takes a huge amount of heat for the wild card game against Tim Tebow's oh, Denver yeah. Broncos. Well, who made the call on the first play of overtime when Tebow threw an 80 yard touchdown pass uh, to Demarius Thomas, uh, who was wide open and then just ran away from the coverage? Dick LeBeau. So, is that what you mean, Craig? Or might there be some other things at work uh, between the play call? any execution on the field that might be responsible for, you know, what actually happens. Can we also blame the stopping the run on the injuries to Tuit and Alu-Alu maybe? No, I no, mean, no, 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 you're no, not allowed to do that. Not allowed to talk about the mash unit they had at D-line? No. All right. And, and I think uh, I think I might have been right from the beginning. Tom Offerman, Craig, that's, that's who's, who's the blame. fault to this. Julian yep. Harris from Los Angeles, California. How does the players' Pro Bowl count work with players who play the game, players who don't play in the game, and or replacement players? Are Najee Harris and Deontay Johnson considered first-year Pro Bowl players? Yes, is the short answer. And that's why, you know, at least for me, when I'm making the distinction, I always place first-team All-Pro over Pro Bowl. Because if you're the All-Pro center, first team all pro center they only pick one because there's only one center because they, <laughs> right. they pick 11 on offense 11 on defense and then you know specialist kickers returners you know that kind of stuff so there's usually about 24 to 26 players total on an all pro team so if you're the if you're the court you're the first team all pro quarterback there's one you're the first team all pro center there's one so that, to me, is a much more significant honor than Pro Bowl because, you know, you're playing a game and you're picking two teams. So you might have three quarterbacks per uh, conference. So there's six Pro Bowl quarterbacks to start. And then guys either get injured or one of them's Tom Brady and says, I'm above this, <laughs> which, you know, i got to give him credit, he is. Um, and, you know, just and then the replacements and then the guys who get injured and then the guys who end up being on the teams that make the Super Bowl. And since the Pro Bowl is played the week before, they can't participate. And so, 
you know, you might, there might be over, well, there probably are over 60 guys who would be considered Pro Bowl players for a particular season. Um, so, but the answer to your question, Julian, yes. Everybody who gets either voted to, uh, voted first, replacements, um, injury uh, replacements, uh, replacements for teams that can't participate, all that stuff. They're all considered Pro Bowl players. Scott Collins from Gambrills, Maryland asks, I hope the Steelers get a shot to land quarterback Derek Carr of the Raiders. Oh, crap, I'm sorry, Laps. I didn't tell you to put on your shoes yet for the dumpster diving. That's my bad. That's my bad. I really well, like he hasn't been cut. He hasn't. The dumpster diving is guys who have been cut. Okay, okay, we're cool then. Uh, we may be doing some of that here later, but, I, you know, I just want to – Define your terms correctly. Thank you for keeping me in line. Scott goes on to say, I really like his poise and skill set. Do you think he has the potential to be a franchise quarterback who would interest the Steelers long term? Okay, um, here we go. Time to time to jump into the real world, which I know <laughs> is something we try to avoid here uh, on Asked and Answered. But, you know, sometimes it is. Sometimes we have inevitable. to, I guess. Okay, Derek Carr is under contract to the Ra- uh, Raiders through the 2022 season. So any getting a shot to land him, you're going to have to make a trade, okay, with the Raiders. He's due $20 million for the 2022 season before he can become an unrestricted free agent and hit the, hit the open market. So if you do a deal with the Raiders for him, let's say, you know, March 18th, um, then you only have him for one season, then you're going to have to pay him. And I don't think he's going to he's looking for a pay cut under the $20 million. Okay, Uh, and then so there's that. And then um, before March is over this year, Carr will be 31 years old. Mm. So there's long term answer. Uh, I don't you know, unless unless he's eating avocado toast with Tom Brady every morning for (laughs) breakfast. You know, guys don't play much beyond 31. They just don't. Uh, And then there's this too. one last dose of reality. the Raiders hired Josh McDaniel, the former uh, New England offensive coordinator, to be their new head coach. And Dave Ziegler is now their new GM. And according to Ian Rappaport of NFL.com, uh, those two guys have said publicly that they want to begin talks on a contract extension for Carr designed to keep him in Las Vegas, quote, for the foreseeable future. So I don't think there's any uh, getting a shot to land uh, Derek Carr. Yeah, I had a feeling that Josh McDaniel, any of the open jobs out there this year, he probably could have taken. He probably leaned Vegas mainly because of the quarterback situation. So I, all this talk about trading for him seemed moot whenever McDaniels went there and seemed to be like, I like Carr. I want to go play coach this team because of him. I'm not going to get rid of him immediately. It's, you know, makes sense. Re- are we done but with again, reality, though? or? Um. Uh- I don't know. Let's let's take a quick vacation <laughs> from it anyway. Maybe we go back, but it's not as fun. It isn't as fun. Reality. You're, you're right about that. Bill Briggs from Grove City, Pennsylvania asks, why are the Steelers so high on Malik Willis? His career stats are not noteworthy. Coach Mike Tomlin said he wanted a mobile quarterback. That's fine if he's the caliber of Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen, but just to draft one because other teams have one is stupid. Well, Bill fell for the old... Uh, the Steelers are high on Malik Willis narrative uh, because somebody uh, shot some video on their cell phone, maybe. Uh, and what did that uh, from the senior bowl? And then they turned it into a story. And what, what 
I actually saw the video. And what did it show? It showed Mike Tomlin spending a few minutes on the field after a senior bowl practice talking to Malik Willis. <laughs> um, you know, if let's just pretend uh, that the Steelers are very high on Malik Willis. Let's just pretend that's true, which I'm not conceding that for a second. Certainly not at this stage. Maybe they end up being high, but not at this it's stage. very early in the process. Yes. Why would Mike Tomlin do it in such a public place? <laughs> Why would you – I mean, that's like taking a – you know, he should he, – he might as well just hold a press conference and say, we're going to – we really like Malik Willis, and if he's there, we're going to draft him more. You know, we'll trade up for him if we have to, or what, whatever ridiculous um, scenario you, you might want to, you know, put out there. Let me tell you this about Mike Tomlin, too. I remember this from his first year, 2007. You know, he was hired in January, whatever it was. And so the first draft with him as a Steelers coach was that April. And during that offseason, before Tomlin was hired, the Steelers cut Joey Porter. And Joey Porter went on and signed a free agent contract with the Dolphins. So everybody assumed that the Steelers wanted an outside linebacker on the first round to replace Joey Porter. So it came to be, you know, not very long into the process that this player named Quentin Groves, a linebacker from Auburn, was being assigned to the Steelers. That's who they're going to pick. That's who they like. Okay. So you get to the Auburn um, uh, pro day and Tomlin's there front and center, you know, make sure he's seen, make sure he's seen talking to Quentin Groves. And it really cranked up then Quentin Groves, Quentin Groves, Quentin Groves. So he comes back and I see him in the practice facility walking around the offices and I, made some crack to him about, you know, um, being a TV star or something <laughs> and the Quentin Gross thing. And he looked at me and he gave me a smile and I thought, was that all for show down there? Or what <laughs> first round pick Lawrence Timmons inside linebacker. Pretty good pick. So pretty good, pick. Well, not a pretty good pick, but everybody thought we yeah. were taking Quentin Old Gross. misdirection and there. Middle, right. Head fake. Um, and you know, everybody swallowed it. So, uh, you know, Mike Tomlin is not is not stupid. He knows how the game is played, and he's not above using the media uh, to help him, you know, get what he wants or, you know, throw the, the, uh, the dogs off to another scent, you know, or wh- whatever kind of analogy uh, you want to use. So just saying to you, Bill, and all other Steelers fans, um, don't be don't be so sure the Steelers are high on Malik Willis. Oh, and one one other thing: when the combine comes around March first, and all these internet people start telling you who the Steelers interviewed while they were at Indianapolis, all the players, the combine attendees, and everybody starts thinking, "Oh, that's who they like, or they like this guy or that guy." Just understand this: <laughs> every NFL team is allowed to interview forty five people at the combine. Forty five. The Steelers have six draft choices this year so far. Maybe they get a compensatory one, maybe not. But right now they have six. So start counting up all of the people that they interview and see you know, how much higher that number is than six <laughs> uh, before you get real excited about who they talk to because all they're doing is gathering information. Or throwing a sick pump fake out there to throw the scent <laughs> off of, of where they're actually going to go. 
Right. I mean, you, what you do is you schedule a lot of those interviews. You keep the scouts off the streets at night in Indianapolis, too, that way. <laughs> and I know some of those guys. They need a little bit of incentive in that area. Oh, I went to a combine once, Labs. I know what it's like out there. Joe Asher from Tampa, Florida. To be eligible for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, an NFL player must be retired for at least five years. Just like the Hall of Fame, Ben Roethlisberger is a lock for the Steelers Hall of Honor. Is there a mandatory wait time for the Hall of Honor? Yes, three years. Got to be retired for three years. All right. Well, then in three years, we'll welcome Ben into the Hall of Honor. Robert Zewi from Erie, Pennsylvania. Short and sweet. I like that one. Do you know of any talks or interest about bringing Mike Munchak back to coach the offensive line? I would love to see Munch back in Pittsburgh. I think his coaching could really improve this young offensive line. Yeah, I got no argument with that. I mean, Mike Munchak is is um, is a great well, he's a Hall of Fame player. That is verifiable. In my opinion, he was a very, very good offensive line coach and did very good work when he was in Pittsburgh. And I say that only because I got to see it firsthand. So um, I got no uh, argument with the quality of his coaching. Just to refresh everyone's memory, uh, Mike Munchak was interviewed for the Denver head coaching job a few years ago. Uh, he did not get that job. But then he stayed and accepted the same position with the Broncos that he had with the Steelers. And the reason was his daughter lived in Denver with her husband and uh, their young daughter, I think it was, but a young child. And so um, Mike Montek and his wife decided that they wanted to be close to her. And since he was able to get a job in Denver, and that's where his daughter and her young family were living, that's why he took the job there. It wasn't any problem with Mike Tomlin or uh, Todd Haley or you know whatever other um, story was going around at the time. Um, I, don't, I don't know that Mike Munchak is going to coach at all in 2022 because he's not leaving Denver. I mean, he and his wife, uh, apparently, and how could they not, be happy being this close to their daughter and their young grandchild. And so... Uh, let me also point this out. Uh, Mike Munchak entered the NFL as a first-round draft pick. So he, he's been, and he had a long <laughs> career. No, and he had all-pro and yeah. Hall of Fame playing career. So he was compensated um, at the upper levels of his position and everything because of he's a first-round draft pick and how good he was. Then he went right from there into coaching. Uh, he was a head coach for a couple of three years with the Tennessee Titans. So then you're making that money too. And so, you know, it's not like Mike Munchak, um, you know, needs the job. And if he decided to retire now, I'm sure he would be able to draw a double pension from the NFL from both as a player and a coach. So uh, if Mike Munchak doesn't want to coach anymore, he doesn't need to coach anymore. And so I think any decisions that he is making at this stage of his career uh, has more to do with, uh, is he happy personally, mm -hmm. um, family-wise? And, you know, who knows? Um, you know, maybe uh, Mrs. Munchak, I don't know her first name. I apologize for that. But Mike Munchak's wife, you know, what might be more important to him at this stage is her being happy than Right. The job being something that, you know, he feel that he needs. So, um, you know, 
all the best to Mike Munchak and his family. Truly is a good guy. Uh, and I respect him making decisions like this. Um, I also uh, applaud him for being capable of making decisions like this for these reasons. And, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't think it's not, it's not a situation where the Steelers can bring him back to Pittsburgh. He needs to want to go wherever he ends up. And so I don't think it's happening. Certainly not this year. It wouldn't surprise me at all. If Mike Munchak does not coach in the NFL or anywhere else, maybe a high school in Denver or something, uh, in 2022. And last but certainly not least, Michael Barbosa from Gilroy, California, asks, currently, how many picks do the Steelers have in the 2022 NFL Draft? Okay, as I mentioned earlier, six picks. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break them down for you. Rounds one, two, and three, uh, the Steelers will pick in their normal spot, uh, you know, their position that they earned through their um, 2021 season. They currently have no picks in rounds four or five, um, but there is speculation that they will uh, get a number four, a, compens- a compensatory pick in the fourth round. Uh, and no pick in the fifth. In the sixth round, they have Kansas City's pick because of the Melvin Ingram trade. They traded their own pick away. Round seven, they have picks, their own pick, and one that they acquired from the Jets in, in a trade. I believe Avery Williamson a year or two ago. Was that 20? No, that was, yeah, well, 2020. 2020, yeah. uh, Yeah. So that's where they are, six picks. All right. That'll do it for this edition of Asked and Answered. Always appreciate the contributions from Steelers Nation. Get your questions into the labs now because we will be back again next week with a fresh batch of them. For Bob Labriola, I'm Tom Opperman. Always appreciate the listens, and we'll talk to you next week. And he's the guy, Tom Off. Yeah, blame me for everything. He, right, he's the one who made all those bad defensive calls. And you made all the good ones. (laughs) No, I make none.